to create the work around the human, the human being being the center of it. And how can we allow them to self-organize and achieve their greatest potential? That's true leadership. That's creating a true environment where you're going to be successful. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Burnt Chef Journal, a hospitality-specific podcast dedicated to challenging mental health stigma and conversations designed to inspire a new, healthier, happier, and more sustainable hospitality profession. Welcome to the Burnt Chef Journal. It's good to have everybody back, the listeners that have been here before. If it's your first time, we're happy to have you here. We want to talk about everything to do with wellness about mental health, about stigma in the restaurant industry or anywhere else. And today we're lucky enough to have Tyler Williams joining us. Tyler is a fungineer and a culture champion and believer in everything to do with love and fear and the whole human. And we're, we're going to have some good discussion today. So let's get into it. The Burnt Chef Project is proudly sponsored by Lamb Weston, a leading provider of innovative, high-quality potato products created for chefs to help operators thrive both today and tomorrow. Working carefully with sustainably-minded farmers and growers, Lamb Weston provides potato solutions for every type of kitchen, from premium British chips and fries to potato shapes, wedges, and mash. To find out more, head to lambweston.eu or search your partner in potatoes. All right, so we're here back again with the Burnt Chef Journal, and today we're lucky to have the chance to chat with Tyler Williams. Tyler, you and I have had a little bit of discussion about this, and, and I'm going to try to remember how to say the, you know, what it is exactly that you do properly, but the one that sticks with me is, I think you called it Fungineer for a company called Zappos that some people might have heard of. Super happy to have you here. I think there's, there's some really good opportunity to talk about how we can just improve mental health, well-being, people's wellness, all that kind of stuff. So happy to have you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. That's a personal passion of mine for sure. Yeah. You know, it was interesting when, when I approached you about some conversation, I actually thought it was extra cool that your response was, this is a passion of mine. So I'm happy to do it. Um, you know, I know this is stuff that's near and dear to your heart. So yeah, you're in the U S right. You're in Vegas. Yep. Located in Vegas. Been here about, uh, about 15 years now. I love it. And you landed there by accident, right? Yeah, I came here for music. So I never intended to live in Vegas. I grew up in Alaska. Talk about polar opposites, but Vegas is a great place for musicians. That was my career path. I landed here and it's been really good to me and my wife. It's good to hear. And so, okay, so I use the term and you you coined this one earlier, fungineer, right? That's the term you used. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Because that's a position in a company that I'm sure people haven't heard of very often. If ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just driving culture through programming and events. So when you have a company that highly values employee culture, employee happiness and well-being, they make big investments into what the programs are for recognition, for belonging. Lately, it's been really into DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. Again, that feeling of belonging, employee happiness in my eyes, has always been this science of perceived control, perceived progress, the number and depths of your relationships, and higher purpose. And if a company can give employees those four things, you get out of the rigmarole of, hey, let's just try to 
get higher titles and higher pay and jump from company to company to company. And you can retain people longer. And I don't know why that's not a bigger deal to companies. They churn through employees and instead of just give them a place where they can have a long and, and healthy career. The Burnt Chef Project and what this concept is all about is really trying to improve the overall well-being of people who work predominantly in hospitality, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, it's, it applies across the board and you know, jumping from job to job is definitely something that's it, uh, it runs rampant through the restaurant industry, that's for sure. Well, and being from Vegas, we have an incredible culinary and restaurant bar scene here. Some of the, I would argue some of the best of the, the best. best in the world. And to get to that level, you know, there's I, I know so many friends and 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 folks that I know that are in that industry that have had breakdowns and had mental health problems and and heavy addiction problems because they're coping with just this incredible stress. And so I love having the amazing restaurants here. I prefer to have living in Vegas. I prefer to have still great restaurants, but know that that back of house is not hell. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So do you have? I'm sure there's a couple, but. Do you have a go-to spot in Vegas? I do. I mean, there's there's a, there's a great Thai restaurant in downtown Las Vegas called La Thai. It's really my go-to for Thai food. It's right off of Fremont Street in Old Vegas. Yeah. I tend to stick into the into the old old Vegas restaurants. You know, there's a great sushi spot in the Arts District called You or Me. I love sushi. That place is great. And I love a great, I love a great steakhouse too. It's hard not to love a great steakhouse. And there's this, there's this kind of hidden one in, in this old casino called the D in downtown Las Vegas called Andiamos. And I just love the servers there are, have been there forever. They've been servers forever. You can just tell they love their job to your point. It's like when you see somebody that's just loving that table side Caesar salad or, or making you something and they're chatting with you and they're loving the spot, you know, that it's a healthy culture inside the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I could just tell those spots have always had that. Okay. So speaking of culture in a restaurant, you were telling me earlier and you don't have to get into all of it right now, but you weren't always in this position of, you know, trying to make sure that people have fun at work and you know good culture. So how did you kind of create that role for you? So how did you become that, that person? Yeah. You know, I was, my heart was set on being a musician since I was eight years old. I found drums. My first thing I played was Wipeout and I was hooked and I became a heavy metal drummer and got in a band and we toured down through Canada and we landed in San Diego and then we made it to Orange County. And then we were in Seattle for a stint. And then I kind of took a hiatus from music, went back to Alaska, met my wife, I not met my wife, but married her and then came down to Vegas. And we landed here really because Vegas is just a great place for a musician. And I joined up with a, with a rock band and we went on the road and we went hard for two years, you know, signed by a band, open for some big acts and we're up and coming. And then uh, eight months out of the year though, coast to coast twice, just hustling. We landed back in Vegas. It was a little bit heartbreaking. We, we got dropped by the label. And I was a little lost. I didn't really know what was next for me. And my wife, she she delivered monsters. She worked three jobs to support her musician husband. And she was a monster energy girl. So she'd drive this huge truck. She's the tiny little thing. And she delivered monster energy to this company, Zappos. And um, I didn't know what Zappos was, but she's like, hey, have you just ever thought of this place? It's really, really cool. And 
I looked it up online and it's funny. I just, all I saw was videos about company culture and core values and hiring for core values and firing for core values and never even understood what they really did for money. But I was like, this is my, this is the promised land for me. I need, I need to get, find a way in. I didn't have a resume. You know, I had been a off the books touring musician drummer on cash and getting paid by labels and things like that. And I never went to college. I barely graduated high school. But throughout those years, you know, being a musician and being an entertainer, you know, production, lighting, audio, video, entertainment value, studio work, videography, photography, recording audio, all of those things you just pick up over, over the years. And so I had this array of tools in my tool belt. So I got disappointed because at the time I heard that it was harder to get into Zappos than Harvard. At the time, the company was just booming. And because it was so famous for culture, I just immediately thought there's no way they're going to choose some crazy drummer. <laughs> they had video. Basically, you could make a video instead of submit a paper resume. So I went into our studio, which we had in Vegas, and I recorded a song based on their core values, recorded it, made a video about it, and just submitted it via email to their head of recruiting. And boom, their career started from there. And I had a weird amount of skills. It was a weird array of skills, but I really like being creative. I like entertaining people. I like making people feel good. And so experiences were kind of where I landed in planning employee events like the picnic, the holiday parties. I just kind of worked my way into there because the culture in the place really valued that. If you were passionate about something and you were good at it and it created value, you could get there pretty quick. And then I ended up becoming the fungineer. Sounds like a pretty good job. That's the best job in the world. Yeah, I, I'm super lucky. Feel very blessed that that's the role I've been given to yeah. to have here. Yeah, very cool. And okay, so you were mentioning that this company was hiring and firing people, and you know we don't have to make it about that company, but a company hiring and firing people based on culture and values and well-being and those types of things. I mean. That's got to be a tough shift for, and I mean, maybe they started that way, but that's going to be a tough shift for any company to, to go from, you know, margins and profitability and revenue to, is it the right culture fit? Do we take care of each other? And that type of thing. Alignment of values, you know, and it wasn't that the values of this company were the perfect values. It was the perfect values for what they did. Mm-hmm. Work in a kitchen in a restaurant is going to be a different set of values, you know, working as a sports announcer or UFC commentator, or that culture is going to be different, you know, motocross or a warehouse where you're making aerospace machine parts. Like the factor when it comes to this corporate marketplace, it's a complex adaptive system that's surrounded around people. What the system has done, I call it this kind of big hierarchical system has done is It's basically managed, you get a piece of work and it takes people to tackle that work, right? This is how you're going to do this. And the future of work, in my belief, and we're headed there extremely fast. I mean, you have things right now, quiet quitting and the great resignation and who knows what's coming next. But I think it's the responsibility of higher purpose organizations to manage, to create the work around the human the human being being the center of it. And how can we allow them to self-organize 
and achieve their greatest potential. That's true leadership. That's creating a true environment where you're going to be successful. And, you know, you can do that in any space. Some spaces are higher regulated. They have a higher pressure cooker, like restaurants, but there's a level of that in every business. And I'm sitting here and the wheels are turning. I wonder what it would feel like. I'm sure anyone who's listening to this will think the same thing that works in a restaurant. What would it feel like if the work was created around a human in a restaurant? Because that's very much not typically not the case, I don't think. So that's an, an interesting concept to think about. And you were mentioning too, when we were speaking earlier about all facets of that human piece, right? Physical health, mental health. Can you chat a little bit about that? Yeah. The belief is that your career is one-tenth of who you are, right? Your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, your relationship health, this idea. You know, I'm fascinated by this curriculum that the singer Jewel came up with, who got to meet throughout my career. She's written a book called Never Broken, and she has this foundation called the Inspiring Children's Foundation. And they do just this. They take young people that are on a, basically maybe out of the hospital that just tried to commit suicide or have had multiple attempts or have had a major suicidal thoughts. And they pull them into their curriculum and they call it whole human curriculum. And they're not teaching them how to be successful in school, you know, and learn math and stuff. They're teaching them how to be ex exceptional human. They anchor on tennis as a sport and they teach them the value of nutrition, what coping mechanisms are and why they form and how these traumas have, have come into your life and recognize when you're, when you are triggered and what to do when you do get triggered and those type of things. And they're teaching them at such a young age, how to be this whole human. And they create these amazing superhero young people that go to these Ivy league colleges. I'm talking in just a few years from a suicide bed to Ivy League colleges who, when they get to college, instead of the partying and the drinking and those things, they get to college and they're starting like health clubs and yoga clubs. They're pulling, you know, these other, because what happens when you go to like a Harvard is, and you are a whole human, but you're capable of being there. You see the people that are just popping Adderall and cranking out as much work as they can because they got to be the best. They, they're in the best college and they got to be the best, the best, the best. They're headed for burnout too. The system has has created this need for what our our idea of success is so flawed. What you made money? Look, I've ran in some of the highest circles of money. <laughs> I've ran in some of the highest circles of success. And I can tell you, being successful is not being fulfilled. It's not being happy. It's not, we've created this idea of, well, this is what success looks like. I promise you it's not. So true. We talk about in the restaurant world, and it probably, you know, could have very similar, you know, resemblance in other industries, but this, this badge of honor that people, especially in kitchens, but in restaurants feel that they have to wear, that they've kind of look at me, I've been through the grind and I've earned my stripes and I've done my stage in a kitchen and got yelled at. and I peeled potatoes for free and all these things. And it's, you're right. It's, it's definitely changing really quickly. And, and, you know, I think both the industry and the companies that exist in the industry need to recognize that very quickly, that if we don't change along with this, it's going to get even harder. Yeah. I mean, I'd argue, you know, you look at 
Hell's Kitchen and those those reality shows. It's like you're watching somebody get abused, really. And we as a culture and as a society have created this mess. If you truly love somebody, you know, I, I'm a big believer that everything boils down to two energies, love and fear. And yeah, you can do amazing things through fear. You know, I can go work out at the gym and try to be look good because I'm fearful of what people will think of me or I'm ashamed of my body or, you know, whatever those reasons are, or I can love myself, love me showing up as my best self for my friends and my family. And because I want to enjoy and experience this world in a, in a like really amazing way with my vitality and my health that's the thing is like, okay, here's, here's one way in which you can do it, but there's another way. And I believe that the love way is way more powerful. And I really do think that everything boils down to those two, I wouldn't even call them emotions, but powers that exist in the world. Yeah. Not to get philosophical, but to get philosophical. I got a beard that I think I have permission (laughs) to be be philosophical. (laughs) Why do we take you to grow that beard? I actually started growing this beard February of 2020 when we got locked down. I had like a three inch beard. So I probably had one about that long. Yeah. And I was so upset about working remote. And this is kind of what was going on in my life at the time. And I was like, I'm going to grow my beard until I get let out. (laughs) I just look like a crazy homeless wizard. And so I'd show up on the Zoom meetings just... And it just get crazier and crazier. It became a thing. And I, and then I was like, I told a bunch of my friends, I'm just going to grow it until we stop talking about COVID. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Is it on the floor yet? <laughs> two years later. It's about two and a half going yeah. on three. Yeah. Awesome. This is the full length of it. There you go. It keeps going. It's a good look though. Thanks. Yeah, it's a good look. If you're enjoying this week's episode, consider heading over to our website and supporting our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental illness and creating a healthier, happier, and more sustainable industry by purchasing some of our branded merchandise. We have a whole range of t-shirts, hoodies, chef's jackets, well-being journals, plus a whole host more available on Worldwide Dispatch. All funds raised from sales of these items go towards free to access e-learning content as well as providing free support systems and help for those who may be experiencing difficulty with their mental health my santa claus being santa claus is my uh, retirement plan just gotta wait for it to go white a little bit right yeah nice have you ever worked in restaurants not personally, but I have family and friends who yeah. are very involved, both own restaurants, been servers, and being in the music industry, you know a lot of people that are servers part-time. Yeah, that's how they make some money, right? I went the construction production path, never ended up in a restaurant. So that's not, as far as our conversation, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So a question for you about now, you've done some really cool stuff in terms of employee morale and retention and fun. And, you know, this concept of love versus fear, I think, is, is perfect. So what would you tell a restaurant owner, having never worked at a restaurant, about how to approach making sure they take better care of their people? What's the first thing you would do? The first thing, I guess the first thing I would do if I, if I went in and the restaurant owner was interested in this, you know, I look at it kind of everybody comes to a point in their life where 
they reach this crossroad of where they figure out, I care. I look at that with people that are suffering from addiction. There's kind of this no-go zone where there's just, they're trapped in it and they can't really get out. But there's this moment in time where you have to reach somebody. And first I'd figure out, is this the moment in time where this restaurant owner really wants to make a change or do they want to check these boxes? I can assess that out pretty quick. If if somebody's like, man, I want my people to be here, to enjoy it. I know that my, my waiters, I want them to be healthy, happy, so they can create healthy, happy, happy customers. And I guess the first thing I would ask is, have you defined what your purpose is? You know, start there personally and for your company. Because I think until you do that, what is your greatest outcome? And that could be whatever it is. Like once you've created your purpose, the next layer down from that is like, what are your values? You'd be surprised how many, how many people have not gone through that exercise personally. It was funny as I had never done it until I saw Zappos 10 core values. And I saw to live and deliver well, embrace and drive change, be humble, build a family team and positive spirit. And I was like, yeah, like all that. And I was like, I aligned with that so much. And so I knew this is a place I wanted to go. And restaurants, every company is the same. Like sit up and like, if, you're, if your purpose is every customer leaves happier, healthier, with a full belly, whatever that is, you can define those things. And then what are, what are my personal values? What do I care about? Go through that exercise. That would be my first recommendation. Yeah. We're starting to see a lot more, not that restaurants didn't care about people in the past, but it, it's, it's got this kind of, you know, thing, right. All right. You know, we're trying to change the stigma of that. But so uh, you'll like this. There's a really cool example that I was lucky enough to spend some time working with over the last well, six months, just to sort of paint a picture and then we'll get your, your thoughts on it. An 18-year-old kid who's been working in a restaurant six days a week trying to help his employer get through the labor shortage that's happening, right? Everybody knows everyone's short staff. He comes into work one morning and his shirt is dirty and he doesn't really smell very good because he's wearing a dirty shirt. And the owner walks over to him and, and just says, you know, good morning, how are you doing? What's going on? And actually can smell that this he hasn't washed his clothes. And kind of goes, are you doing okay? Or, you know, is everything all right? And the kid goes, well, I'm exhausted. You know, I'm working six days a week. I closed the restaurant last night. I, you know, had to turn around and open the restaurant this morning. I've only got one work shirt. I didn't have time to do my laundry. So, you know, I'm here, but I'm not my best kind of thing. And, you know, at first from this owner's mouth, he told me at first he was frustrated with this kid saying, well, kind of like, how dare you show up in front of our customers smelling like this? And then he realized, I got to do something for this kid because he's working his tail off to help my business be successful. So fast forward a couple of months of planning and strategy and whatnot. And now this restaurant company provides at-home cleaning and laundry service for every employee that works for their company so that they never have to worry about having a clean house when they come home from their late night shift or clean clothes to where to work in the, where, where to work in the morning. And, you know, I just thought that was such an outside the box way of helping improve life outside of work and helping make sure that people are happy and at their best when they come to work. Totally different. I've never heard of that before. Well, what that restaurant owner did is what I like to say becomes the observer of the system. 
you pull back away from the person, right? And you go, what systemically failed this individual to where they're at this position? And he realized, I'm asking somebody who's working 10, maybe 12 hour shifts, six days a week to then go home and do more work. And that's been, there's some employers that love that. They love that. They're like, yeah, we got an extra blah, blah, blah. You know, my wife's a a flight attendant and they do these, they do these trainings and then they send them home with homework and they have to do these things. A lot of it's on their own time that they have to do these while they're not making money. And I've always thought, what a strange thing to do. Like they're home as an employer, your goal should be that you provide a system in which your people can find what they're passionate about, what they're good at and what creates value. They're passionate about good out and creates value because they could be passionate about a lot of things, but it's to, as a leader, as an owner of a, of a culture, because you are the owner and cultivator of a culture. What he did is instead of most, most leaders, and I've heard this from my mentors in the past is most leaders, if you're thinking of a greenhouse, they feel like I've got to be the biggest, brightest plant in that greenhouse, be the greenhouse builder build the greenhouse that can create the best plants. And that's exactly what that owner did. And I think that that's, that's kind of a give you chill moment of what that's what the best and what a lot of restaurants optimize for is they create that for the customer. The lighting's just right. They got the coolest like wood paneling with, you know, metal grades that look all rustic and, you know, cool stuff on, you know, neon signs and I'm speaking, I'm, I think I'm explaining a Texas roadhouse right now, but basically, you know, they focus there and back in the kitchen, the back of house is miserable. And it's like, well, the belief system that I've grown to know to be true is you cannot have consistently happy customers. If you don't have happy employees, especially on the front line, If your employees are running ragged, are abused both by customers and by their employer, ticking time bomb, right? They're going to burn out. You're going to lose them anyway. The other piece of this I want to say that I've learned over the years is the customers too that are rude, that feel like they need to yell or speak to a manager. The reason that's been the case is because we've taught them that's what they need to do. And so we've had this belief system for years that a customer that's irate is actually, it's it's not their fault because other companies have taught them, I've got to yell, I've got to scream, I've got to demand a manager because they're not going to take care of me. So when you have a culture built around, hey, no, we'll take care of that right away. You know, and there's always people who abuse, but we found that to be less than 2% of the population are just straight assholes and will just abuse the system because they've just got to that place in life. They've succumbed to the dark side. They've gone to, they've gone to the place of fear and they might never come back. And those ones, you know, are not worth, they're not worth developing an entire system around in my opinion. Well, that's the love and fear thing you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that, the, the thing that cuts through and, and I think, dissipates that is it when when people walk in they they feel a culture of love they'll feel that and 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 the other piece of this is protect that culture 
And that's when we say like hire for that culture and fire for that culture. If you have built a culture, that's a place of love and your cooks get along. And I don't know the restaurant industry enough, but, and they have a great relationship. They have a work-life balance integration and you're in the staff and everybody's taken well care of. You protect that at all costs. Cause one person that's not aligned with the values that you hire in can really do a lot of damage. Yeah. So true. Well, I think, I mean, it's amazing the amount of experience that you have and the thoughts and the wisdom and stuff that you have. I mean, such good stuff. And it all relates completely to the restaurant industry. I mean, it's it's all relatable. So I know that you know, there's definitely going to be some good takeaways. The fear and love thing for me, that's that's a good one. I'll, I might put that one in my back pocket if that's, if that's all right with you. Any sort of final words or, you know, last word of wisdom or anything for people who are listening to? Yeah, just... No matter where you're at, whether you're a waiter or you know you're you're a hostess or you're any industry, it's never too late to switch gears. One of my favorite quotes by one of my mentors is, "No matter what your past, you have a spotless future. All that matters is what you do from this point on. And maybe your culture is toxic. Maybe it's going to be really difficult to turn it around, uh, and you're just looking, and you're finally at that point, that decision point." Man, it is never too late. I mean, I've seen people turn their cultures around where it was extremely toxic and they just went back and they worked day after day after day and they got it back to a healthy place and then they protected the hell out of it Yeah, because they realized how valuable that thing is. It just takes, and it can come at any level. It doesn't have to come from the owner. In fact, a lot of cultures get changed by the frontline employees when they just kind of can show up and start to create that movement, you know, call the movement of love. Just don't think that all hope is lost because it never is. Amazing. Thanks so much for your, for your time today. I, I know this stuff's near and dear to your heart. So I appreciate you uh, taking some time and it definitely matches a lot of the things that we're trying to accomplish at the Burn Chef Project too. So uh, thanks again. It's been great to catch up. Hopefully it's not too long till we get to do that again. Yeah. Thanks. When you're in Vegas, let's go to a restaurant. Let's do it. All right, Jim.